Hello and welcome to Biblical Genetics, episode one. I am your host, Dr. Robert Carter. I'm actually I'm going to do a little intro here to the main segment, just so you know what's going on. I've been traveling around with a TV camera, a small TV camera, across the country over the last several months, filming a whole bunch of different episodes on genetics. I've been talking about history, archaeology, uh, DNA sequencing, and all sorts of other things, and a little bit about the Bible also. But this started off as a YouTube show. And after a while, I realized, wait a second, I've got some good audio content. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to switch the feed. We're going to go to the Garden of the Gods in Colorado. And we're going to be talking about the mystery of human ancestry. Hey fans of Biblical Genetics, welcome to episode number one. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Carter. Call me Dr. C if you want. I'm standing here in an amazing place called Garden of the Gods. It's in Colorado. It's a beautiful early September day. It's kind of hot. It's windy. It's not quite what I expected coming up here, but I love this place. It's my second time here. It's giving you a panoramic shot of what we're looking at. Now, why did I come here? I came here because the Garden of the Gods is an appropriate location and name for the subject that we're going to cover today. We're going to be talking about a mystery, a mystery of the ages, something people used to reserve to the gods. Then mystery is a mystery of human ancestry. Now, I don't mean ancestry like in, you know, creation versus evolution, do we come from Adam and Eve or monkeys? I mean ancestry like, where do we come from as far as our parents are concerned? That very confusing uh, subject that people have struggled with for a very long time. But I want to dispel something. I want to dispel it very quickly. We're not talking about storks and cabbage patches. Those are just old wives' tales that, that I don't think anyone ever believed. It's just one of those things where like a kid comes up to the mother and says, Mommy, where'd babies come from? And she goes, Oh, don't you know? We found you in a cabbage patch. Just get out of here, kid. Don't bother me with these embarrassing questions. No, we know that people have always known where babies came from. In fact, you can see it in the Old Testament all over the place. But let me give you an example from the New Testament. When Mary was visited by the angel, she said, how can these things be? I've never known a man. You know, she's saying, how can I give birth to a child? I'm not married. I've never done certain things that lead to childbirth. So we know that people knew. But what they didn't know was actually the mechanism. See, for most of human history, people probably thought that the woman was passive. She provided uh, uh, the womb, which is basically a little oven that would cook the embryo as it grew and the man provided the seed. She was passive and he was active. Yet it didn't quite work because that very often you popped out with a kid who looked an awful lot like the mother. And then you had questions about, you know, when you had two people of very different uh, ethnic backgrounds have a child, that child would typically be, you know, in between the two parents. You know, mixed race marriages produce kids that are kind of not white, not black, not oriental, not black, not oriental, not white. They're in, the, in between. And so, Another concept people have for a long time was called blending inheritance. The fact that, or the idea that the, the parents would merge together to produce an offspring, but there was a problem with that. And even though Darwin might have talked about it and Darwin might have thought about this and other people also through the ages, it doesn't work because very quickly everyone would become an average. Everyone would blend together and you wouldn't have any distinctions. But we also knew that every once in a while, and we're talking about in, in, with people and families, but also breeding animals and plants. Um, these things would pop out every once in a while. They're called sports. Things that didn't match what the parents looked like. They looked very different. 
you know, cue the old joke about the redheaded plumber. You know that thing, that the, the kid that doesn't look like everybody else. Where did he come from? And it was a mystery. Well, it took the work of a man named Gregor Mendel, a monk, a brilliant man, working with peas in his monastery garden to figure out what are called the laws of genetics. But it was decades, I mean, 50 years or more, before the laws of genetics were brought into uh, the realm of ancestry. We had this thing called the Neo-Darwinian Synthesis. It was a revolution in thought, where they took Mendel's laws and they brought it into this idea um, that there were mutations every once in a while. Mendel's laws plus mutations plus natural selection. We had this great new field, and we call that, basically as a shorthand, we call it Darwinism today, even though it's not really what Darwin himself thought of, but it is, is Darwinism. And yet, in those early years, I mean, 1920s, 1930s, 1940s, we still didn't have DNA. People were working with fruit flies, and hey, this fruit fly has a white eye, this one has a red eye, and they can match them together and say, oh, look at this, they, they turn out their children are in a three to one ratio of red eyes to white eyes, ha ha, it follows Mendel's laws. But we still didn't know what caused these differences. For most of this time, people were thinking that proteins were the source of information. And proteins were very complicated. They had a bunch of letters. In fact, 20 amino acids in a protein, that's almost the same number of letters in the, in the English alphabet. And so we had this complicated thing called proteins, and this is other stuff called DNA. And people didn't know what DNA was. It was a simple molecule, with just four letters inside it, and had a lot of phosphorus. So maybe it was a, a phosphorus storage mechanism where you had the nucleus, and inside the nucleus a bunch of phosphorus, and that's because phosphorus is rare in the wild. It's hard to find in the environment. Maybe that's how the cell kept its store of phosphorus. Hmm. Well, enter two people. They did a famous experiment. It's called the Hershey Chase experiment. They were working with viruses that um, infect bacteria. And they knew they could, you know, quote, transform a bacterium by exposing it to a virus. It would change the bacterium. But they didn't know what the transforming substance was. So what they did was they took viruses and they grew them in a bacterial culture that had radioactive sulfur, sulfur is found in proteins, and radioactive phosphorus, phosphorus found in DNA, and they let it infect other bacteria. And those bacteria were transformed. Then they got rid of the virus and they harvested the bacteria and lo and behold, there wasn't any radioactive sulfur in the bacteria, but there was radioactive phosphorus. And the Hershey Chase experiment taught us for the first time that DNA is the source of ancestry. What? DNA? No way. That's not, yeah, it is possible. And that ushered in a brand new field called modern genetics. And all the stuff we have today in our crazy modern world started in 1952. Soon after that, Watson and Crick worked out the structure of DNA that was very important. Extremely important for us to know that because that gave us a hint that um, DNA is a linear molecule. Well, proteins are a linear molecule. Maybe there's a correspondence between the letters in the DNA and the letters in a protein. Turns out there is, but it took multiple PhD dissertations. We're talking Nobel Prizes here, millions of dollars of research funds going to figure these things out. So we now know the structure of DNA. We now know what causes ancestry, what causes people to look like the way they look. We don't have to wonder about, you know, Shakespeare's illusion that uh, King Edward IV was illegitimate. Ooh, that's gonna be a fun topic to talk about later. Yeah, in fact, um, his um, male descendants don't carry the white Y chromosome. <laughs> or how about uh, the last Habsburg ruler of Spain? 
his family tree was so inbred that he was actually born with two different DNA mutations that were popping up in the family tree, but they combined in him. And his death in his, I think he lived into his 30s, was, was amazing because I couldn't even chew. His face was so deformed. Triggered uh, something called the War of Spanish Succession. All right, that was just an intro. Go to biblicalgenetics.com. You can learn a lot more about me, about uh, what we're trying to do here, about future episodes, about past episodes. Actually, no, there are no past episodes. This is episode number one. I've already actually had a significant donation. Ken, you know who you are. Thank you. The camera that I'm shooting this on is super high tech. As you notice, I'm panning around and, and going back and forth on purpose as this, this camera follows my face. This is crazy technology, but your generous donation has given me a, a leap up in the technology. And so now I'm able to, to film in high def on a super excellent camera because of your support. For those of you also who like to support, you know, I don't know how to do this yet. We don't know how to do this yet. This is an experiment. We don't know how far we're going to go, but we do have a lot of really interesting episodes lined up for you. So this is Dr. Robert Carter, Dr. C, in the Garden of the Gods, signing off. Go away, plane.